Hi, welcome to The School Run. I'm Jane. And I'm Liv. And we are going to share with you the best conversations we have on our school run. We will invite guests and debate topics that affect and resonate with every generation. We all remember our own school run. So maybe have a think about yours. What do you remember? Hello and welcome to another episode of the School Run podcast. We are so delighted to be doing this. Liv, my 16-year-old daughter and I, started the podcast back in February 2023 and the rest is history, as they say. We have had the most incredible School Run chats with amazing guests for the last eight months and it's a complete and utter privilege. If you haven't listened to us before... The school run came about because my daughter Liv and I had a very long school run to school. We went in the car, we had lots of chats and we decided to put them as a time capsule of conversations as someone described it onto a podcast platform and now we welcome guests to come along with us on our school run and have a bit of a chat. Liv, how are you feeling about today's school run chat? I'm very excited. <laughs> I, I do say this every single time but... Uh, people probably get sick of me saying, oh yeah, I'm so excited, but I am, because I've known this person for a long time. You've learned, known this person for a long time, so obviously you'll know lots of questions that you'd like to ask this person, perhaps, about their <laughs> former life before you knew them. Yeah, definitely. We always try and find out and bring to young people um, the, the reality of you know, a career. And a career might might be in one profession for, for, for some people. They might be a doctor for the whole of their lives. But for other people, life evolves. And actually, you can pivot and you can change and you can find yourself and you don't have to have it all figured out at school. So that's been one of our core messages running through every podcast. Let's find out about the range of careers, the vast amount of jobs that you can actually go into and that perhaps school doesn't tell you about. Anyway, on to the guest. The guest we have joining us on the school run today is Julie Armstrong. So this episode really is brought to you by the power of Little Voices, I have to say. Um, if for those that don't know, Little Voices I founded 16 years ago. Little Voices, you're sounding very posh. <laughs> <laughs> and Julie has been alongside me for the majority of that journey as a parent, as a teacher, and now as a principal. And also now as the mother of a principal. So the journey in the circle of life keeps going. But she has a really interesting uh, background. And so, Julie, thank you so much for joining us to share your background on the school run. You are very welcome. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. And you're a really religious listener, aren't you? Monday morning, you switch that podcast channel on and you listen to every episode. Am I right about that? Yeah, um, when I'm sitting at my desk on a mo, oh, it's Monday morning, it must be Jane and Liv. So yes, you're there <laughs> accompanying me while I do my work, yep. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's so good. And we chatted several months ago now, um, we'd invited your lovely husband on actually. We've had Dan, your husband, on the podcast. He's a chef, well, was trained as a chef. Uh, now um, he works in, in the food industry and we had a great episode with him called Ready, Steady, Cook. Yes, I had a lot of questions in that episode. You did have a lot of questions in that episode. 
and then Julie and I chatted and she said, you know, there's a whole background to my story, actually, that would be really interesting, maybe, for you to chat about. And I said, absolutely, come on, let's let's have this out. So I just read that when you were at school, they thought you were particularly good at languages, am I right? Yes, so I am a prime example of not having to have it all figured out when you're at school. Um, we'll get onto this, but I was a dancer whilst I was in the latter years of school and doing my, my GCSEs, O-levels at the time. Um, and I absolutely thought that that was going to be my career all the way ahead, that I was just going to be a dancer. I grew up in a dancing family um, and I was doing very well at it. Um, if you think strictly, I was doing competition work. So just like all the pros that you see on Strictly, that's what I was doing and going up to Blackpool that they, you know, go to every year. And um, and so I thought that was going to be my life panned out for me. Um, the school teachers <laughs> weren't quite so impressed. They were when I started doing really well. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> when I started disappearing out of the country every weekend to represent the UK at various competitions abroad when all my friends were like going to the local disco on a Saturday night and I'd be like oh no I can't I'm going off to Denmark or somewhere in Europe again this weekend uh, that's when school got a bit more interested but up until that point they had thought because I was good at languages oh well you're going to be a translator then you'll work for a big company in London somewhere translating all the stuff that comes in and I was like, oh, I can't think of anything I'd like to do less, really. Um, so, so yeah, I, I honestly thought I was going to be a dancer. And that was that. And what was the family? How did you get into dancing um, in terms of, I know you said your family were, were all into dance. Who, Mum and dad, you know, what was, what was the life at home? What was home life like? And how did you get into it first and foremost? Well, so I was brought up in Birmingham and my parents had a dance school there that was huge at the time. Hawley's Ballroom, if anybody remembers it, it was it was massive. And so it was um, people would come along to learn to dance sort of during the day and private lessons and that kind of thing. And there were lots of other teachers there within the studio. And then um, in the evenings and at weekends, they'd have big party nights and play times where you could just go and dance socially. Um, and it was it was a huge business. Um, my parents were also competitive dancers. My dad was world champion in his day. Um, so it was all I'd ever known was was dancing. I was just completely brought up in that environment. Um, and so when I was 14, I decided I wanted to do competitions as well, which I remember mum and dad were very much like, oh, no, really? <laughs> and sort of me off a bit but I know I really wanted to um and so yeah so I started at 14 um and there we go that the rest is history <laughs> <laughs> and was it you know I don't know were your friendships surrounding dance was that was it more than school was that passion for your out of school activity where your friendships came from as well was it a all-encompassing situation yeah, um, dance was all I wanted to do. I was completely absorbed and I loved it. I absolutely loved it at the time. Um, I was dancing with a boy from Scotland and we represented Scotland or the UK, depending on what we were doing. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, I had an amazing life out of it. I was traveling abroad pretty much every weekend to represent my country at the age of like 15, 16, 17. Um, and it was fabulous. So for all the stuff that I missed out on at that age, I gained so much more. I don't regret any of it. It was it gave me an incredible lifestyle and I absolutely adored it at the time. I loved You've all seen when Strictly goes to Blackpool. I loved stepping out onto that ballroom floor and gliding across and feeling amazing. And then the fact that we were doing really, really well at it as well. So, yeah, it was brilliant. And the costumes and the makeup and the... Did you do all the fake tan and every, all of that? Oh, now you see my school friends will tell you they used to remember. I didn't realise at the time, but they've said since every Monday morning I'd come into school with the remains of the weekend's fake tan with like 72 layers of it that I couldn't get them all off on a Sunday night um, and glitter all over because you know glitter just gets everywhere doesn't it you can't get it off so every Monday I'd be in school fake tanned and glitter all over. <laughs> <laughs> you have a little um, sort of eye into that world don't you because you you did dance when you were a little girl. Yeah, I did. I did ballet. And then, but then I didn't really like ballet. So then I went to like ballroom, like on Strictly. And it was, oh, it was so fun. But back then I was like a tomboy. And I didn't, I, I didn't like dresses. I didn't like makeup. I didn't like fake tan. So every time we had a competition, like I think once we went into Blackpool and they put all the fake tan and everything on i just like hope that the team wouldn't get into the next round and i'd have like baby wipes ready to just like get it off <laughs> <laughs> those are so i i'm just going to show Liv. these are some of um julie's pictures that she sent me when she was wow. when she was professionally dancing <gasps> in the costumes and we're going to put these up on socials when this episode goes out but the costumes, the hair, the makeup, the your Whoa. figure, Julie. I mean, it's just it was a great way to keep fit as well. Uh, totally, I was I was super fit back then. I couldn't remotely do any of that now. Um, but you know, with all the training, if we weren't abroad for a weekend, we were training the whole time and doing competitions in the UK somewhere, all over the country. So, yeah, and then lessons through the it it was my whole life. You know, it wasn't just a hobby or it was training to the standard that an Olympian would now or something. It was every day and all the time. So, but I loved it. Oh, just, it's fantastic, isn't it? To think that that was Julie's, Julie's world. Yeah, that you we... only see it on TV. I, I watched Strictly last night and I look at them and I'm like, oh, I would love to be able to do that. <laughs> I have a little Strictly story then that might be interesting. Um, Years and years and years ago then, Shirley Ballas and my family, and Shirley was just starting out in the dance world and doing well, and she's a few years older than me, um, but we're going out for dinner. Um, and Shirley will admit herself, she came from very humble beginnings, and she didn't have anything to wear. I was 12 years old at the time, and she had to borrow one of my dresses to come out with us for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> young but you know certainly an adult borrowing this 12 year old's dress <laughs> oh my goodness you love Shirley don't you when she comes down do. every Saturday she's like look at her outfit look at she, you just adore no, I do I really I, I know some like some of my family don't like her and think she's like I don't know full of herself but I, I, I every time I see someone who I always research their background and I looked at all the titles she's got and I was like 
Well, she knows what she's talking about, doesn't oh, she? she? Does. Yeah, that's for sure. And especially, oh, I love Anton. Anton's my favourite. <laughs> I love him. Everybody, everybody has a has a favourite. I mean, the life then after dancing went into modelling, actor, presenter. Let's let's touch on some of that. Where did that all yeah. come in, Julie? Well, there's, there's a little bit in between, actually. So when I left school... I'd also kind of, I was 18 and I'd got to the point with my partner, we'd been together for four years of thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm enjoying it quite as much as I used to. And at 18, I discovered boys. and So, so I decided to have a break for what I thought would just be, I'll just have a little break and then I'll get back into it again. Um, so finished with that partner and that was fine and had a little break and then thought, oh, I might try out with some other dance partners. Um, and it just doesn't work. You've got to be the right height. And there were some who were abroad that wanted to have tryouts with me that we did. But, you know, they live in another country and that was tricky. And anyway, for whatever reason, it just never came about. Um, and that was the point where I kind of needed to go to college and do something. Because actually, well, if I'm not going to be a dancer now, what am I going to do? You know, because then it was like, oh, well, I haven't trained for anything else. And school had set me up for this language stuff, which didn't happen. And so I was a bit sort of, ah. So I was really interested in, probably from the dancing, the, the makeup and the hair and, and that side of it. So I went off to college to do a course in beauty therapy and came out of college with that and then went to work at Kendall's in Manchester for Clarence as a beauty therapist. Now, whilst I was there, all the people from Granada TV, so the Coronation Street and the soaps and things and dramas that were filmed there, used to come into Kendall's because it was just around the corner to get their facials or their legs waxed or whatever. Um, and they used to talk to me about, you know, doing bits of extra work and, and oh, there's an agent around the corner. Maybe you should go and see them, which was all very, mm. oh, a little aside, whilst I was working there, I have waxed Lulu's bikini line. Ooh. <laughs> Not many people can say that, can they? Not really, no. Um, so the agent round the corner took me on initially as a model because I'd been a dancer and they wanted somebody who could perform on stage. It's not like the high fashion stuff you see in London where they're just literally walking straight up and down the catwalk. We did proper full-on sort of productions, entertainment, dance shows. Um, and so I was getting more and more into that and I had to keep turning down modelling work, which paid really well because I'd got this job as a beauty therapist and it got to the point where I was like, mm, I need to just pursue the modelling side of things because, you know, it's, it could potentially earn me more money than I've, I've got being a beauty therapist. So the beauty therapy was quite short-lived um, and I carried on then doing the modelling side and the agent also then opened up the TV side. So they started... It's that thing where if somebody's professional, if they turn up every day and they're easy to talk to and they do the job and they're reliable and the TV companies kept asking for me back, only in the background kind of extra work, but then it just grew and grew and grew and I got bigger parts and they'd just ask for me. And So it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a typical thing of, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And 
as we've talked about on the podcast before, the opportunities that open up and you saying yes to those opportunities. And then using the third point of that is the skills that can't be taught at school coming into play. So like you've just said, you know, turning up on time, being polite, being easy to work with, showing initiative, the skills that just are naturally innate in you um, will then have, have set you apart from the rest, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. It is, you know, there were lots of people to choose from, but once you've got a good relationship with your agent, they're going to send you, you know, if they know that you're professional and aren't going to let the agency down, essentially, you're representing them. Um, and yeah, so I started doing bits of background work. And then, as I say, they, the, the TV companies then right across. So Granada, um, over in Leeds as well, Yorkshire Television and Liverpool. So I was doing all the soaps in the north, um, a lo- an awful lot of the dramas that were filmed up there. Um, and it was great. It wasn't that I was there for the, the fame of it. I wasn't like, oh, get me a main role at all. It was actually... I can keep working every day at this and this is a really nice income. So, yeah. That's really interesting. Anything to, any questions for Julie so far? I just think it's like, I feel like, who were we talking to when they said that it was about how they became so, um, you know who Indispensable. Yeah, that's what, and how when you're not there, this might not really relate, but when you're not there people realize that you're not does that do that I they miss that you make you make yourself so indispensable that you're actually needed and i think that episode was with david engwell he was yeah. talking about how he really wanted to be a lawyer um but he didn't quite get the the right grades and then went to a sort of lesser university so he, he had to find a way of standing out from the crowd and therefore he played to his strengths and he sort of went to one particular firm, he chose quite a small firm, but he made himself indispensable and that opened the door for them to then give him a training contract and 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 he got where he needed to go, maybe maybe around the around the houses rather than the direct route to what you think. And I suppose that's where you were relating that to, was it? Yeah. That and I suppose really if you'd have wanted a main role and that had been the thing that that was you you had your eye set on that prize you could have found a route to that am I right um yeah totally I mean I did have I had quite a few speaking parts in the end because they just asked for me and sometimes in the script there'd be a role for you know just half a dozen lines here or we'll just use somebody you know from one of the extras today and it was always be me so you know I yeah I had quite a few not main roles in, in fact if you do a main role in something, you then can't be used. This is back then, I don't know about now. They wouldn't use you for six months. If you'd been seen on Coronation Street as a whoever, um, all the other companies wouldn't use you for six months because you're actually that person on Coronation Street. You're not somebody walking down the street in Emmerdale, you know? So it was better for me to do smaller roles all the time. Um, some of the best things I did, actually, were, were when I was booked as a, a regular extra. Um so I did all sorts of drama series up there where I'd be there for the contract. Um, there were a few where I did like three, four, five series of them as a, a paramedic or a policewoman or a whatever. Um, and they'd book you as a, a regular extra. So that was great rather than the one-off days because you knew the work was there all the time. And I loved it. Again, it was 
Sorry. No, no, <laughs> was... I, just, I just think it's really interesting because it's not what we, you know, when parents send, I'm, I'm relating back to what we do now in terms of little voices slightly in the fact that, or young people out there thinking, I want to be an actor, I want to be an actress, I want to be a performer. There's many, 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 many routes to being involved within that world. And actually just getting one-off roles that then you don't have any work for, for months and months and then another one-off role because you're going for the big time, you, you might actually look at another route where you're just going for the, you know, like you're saying, the extras and going for that consistency rather than those big moments. Yeah, totally. For me, I was quite happy. I wanted to work every day if I could. Um, and if I'd have been given a, a big role in something, I might have had a week, two weeks work, but that would have been it. Um, that way, by doing the, the, the background stuff and not being noticed as much, I could work all the time. So, yeah, it was perfect. And like you say, with the being a performer thing, um, that then, because I was still doing modelling at the time, that led me into becoming a presenter of the fashion shows that we were doing. So as I got older and younger models came in underneath, again, because they knew me and they knew I was reliable and I could do it, and because I'd been doing this these bits of acting, um, they asked me to, to style and present the fashion shows as well, again, all over the country. So then I found myself shooting off every weekend to Scotland or Brighton or Cornwall or <laughs> to, to organise fashion shows and, and present those. So it kind of came full circle, back on itself. Yeah, it's interesting. And if you hadn't have had that drama, I suppose, performing background or, or confidence, those things wouldn't have opened up and that wouldn't have led to another chunk of work. Yeah, yeah, totally. How long did you do that for? How long was modelling, actor, presenter? Um, probably about 25 years, actually. Really, all told. So a real a real career, a massive career, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was yeah. only, I was doing beauty therapy work for maybe a couple of years before I decided not to do that anymore and, and try the self-employed route. And yeah, I kept doing that. Um, until I moved to Peterborough, which we'll get onto later. <laughs> so let's say, um, you know, that I remember when we first came into contact with each other um, would have been when Little Voices first started. So that was 2007. Yes, it was. When I was born. When you were three months old. Um, and we went to, we, we took it to several centres at that moment in time. So it was 2008, 2009 when the um, location opened where we came together and you you signed up for your child to come to a lesson. Where did that come? You were obviously pretty, I mean, I know lots of things about you now and I knew them then as a parent. You were very organised, very thorough, <laughs> very reliable. You will have done your homework on who Little Voices were. Um, why did you choose that for your daughter? Um, well, initially before you existed as Little Voices, she was going to another local drama school. Um, and she was only six at the time. She'd been saying to me for ages that she wanted, you know, like lots of little girls do. And I didn't think it was anything to do with the fact that she actually wanted to be an actor. It was more just that, oh, this will be fun for her and it's a similar thing to what I do. So yeah, she'd been going to a different school. Um, 
And I went and picked her up one day and, and said to her, as you do as a parent, well, what did you do today? And in her six-year-old way, she said, oh, nothing. I sat with my friend and ate sweets at the side. <laughs> and at that point, I thought, hmm, I'm not sure that I'm that thrilled with that, really. What am I paying for here? So we left that one. <laughs> um, and I was on the lookout for, for somewhere else. Um, and she'd shown an interest and been quite into it at school um, and then suddenly her drama teacher at school talked about little voices and so that's how we ended up there mm -hmm. wow 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 and then I remember, you know I know that your daughter and I think she'll be comfortable with us mentioning her name on here won't she um Jericho would come along and I always remember her doing the sound of music I remember her doing all of the performances and musicals that we've done for years with our with our children and and her absolutely shining on that stage and then all of a sudden um you started to teach for us because my business partner at the time said we've met this there's this lady she's a mum she a child comes i think she could run our mini voices sessions and up until that point we hadn't done the 4 to 7 year age group this was a development tester thing in the first year or year and a half and you came along with a big bag of pup, uh, puppets Yes, and, mini, uh, and, and mini voices was born yeah it, um, and you were part so, of that development really as being one of the the very first teachers that ran those mini voices sessions oh yeah uh, we, i still use those fairy tale puppets today in fact we've got, we had them in lessons this week and we're carrying on the stories next week but they're brilliant for children of that age um, storytelling and creating characters and you know backstories for often when children are shy um, they will use the puppet instead of talking themselves they'll let the puppet do the talking for them so yeah it was great um, so yes I came on board as a, a teacher for little voices and from saying yes I'll teach your four to seven year old suddenly I find myself teaching like at so many different centers from four to seven right up to your teenagers as well so yeah and we've done and we worked together collaboratively didn't we as teachers as well so we did uh, Chicago and we you know not full-blown performances but the way little voices works for those that don't know is is only a very small number of children in a class so when you've only got eight children in a class you can really give them individual attention and bring a script to life and give them each character so we worked on Chicago you could do the dance numbers within that and we had such fun didn't we as teachers <laughs> yeah it was brilliant I remember doing Blood Brothers with you um oh gosh all sorts yeah cabaret um... Into the Woods we did Into mm -hmm. the Woods you yeah, know yeah. Annie and, and then and you, obviously you got to know well you you can tell your I own remember journey. that Julie I think was my first unless it was Grace but I think Julie was my first drama teacher mm. and I remember those puppets and I remember all the theatre weeks so it was like my first clear memory I just remember Julie oh. teaching me do you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, Julie, you know, Julie was there on your very, very first um, theatre week when it was Annie and you fell and <laughs> the first of the broken bones. The first of the broken bones when you fell off the 
Oh, the bench came over on you and, and you... That was Sam's fault. <laughs> that was Sam's fault. We were play Everyone had left and we were playing TIG and I ran around the bench and Sam pulls the bench over my ankle. And I broke my ankle and it wasn't fun. And so we had to stage um, live on, as, as a four-year-old on the front of the stage, didn't we, Julie? With my broken leg. Sat on the edge, yeah, not able to move. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and you know we did many 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 theatre weeks together after that. So, um, what did you love about being a teacher? Going back to those days when you weren't running the business, you were in the classroom. What were your highlights? Oh, do you know? Again, from going back to school, if you'd have said to me you'll end up teaching drama to children, I'd have been like, no, absolutely not. But I just loved it. Um, seeing them grow in confidence, seeing them, you know, the really shy ones who didn't really want to talk to you at lunchtime or something, hadn't got a lot to say, but suddenly you put them on the stage and wow. And yeah, I just loved it. The, the whole atmosphere that was created in those theatre weeks and in the lessons that we did every week as well was just brilliant. And I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And you found a real love of, of preparing the scripts as well, didn't you? You used to write some fantastic scripts for Theatre Weeks and and you've yes. a huge passion and thirst and love of the theatre. Yes, totally. Um, um, I suppose just that creative side from being a dancer to uh, modelling, uh, you know, all of that creativity. Yes, once we needed scripts for a Theatre Week or for an exam, for example, um, I used to love... Right, getting the story, we need eight characters for this script. How can I edit it down so that it all works? And yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Hi everyone, we hope you're enjoying this episode so far. We're just cutting in to say, if you're enjoying our podcast, please click the follow button on whichever platform you're listening on. And please leave us a review. We'd be so grateful for your support and feedback. Podcasts are free to listen to, but if you are loving our school-run chats and debates, please consider buying us a virtual coffee. The link will be in the description of every podcast episode, and it will also be in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the school run underscore official. And why not give it a follow while you're there, so you can see all the updates and get sneak peeks at upcoming episodes. Thank you so much, and happy listening. <laughs> So all the theatre weeks that you can remember, Liv, give us a list of some of the ones that you remember doing. And I know there's about 40. There's actually not. There's actually like 53. Okay. <laughs> not, <laughs> that you, not that you're counting or anything. <laughs> not that I'm counting. Can you explain what a theatre week is? Because there's probably some people thinking, oh, what's theatre week? What does that yeah, mean? Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe I mean, I we're so used when, to talking just about Just saying it, yeah. Basically, it's like in the holidays, so it could be like the summer or a half term, October or whenever. It's a four day theatre week where you come on the Monday or the Tuesday and you, you meet everybody who's there and you get the script and you find out what performance you're doing. And then on the last day, so on the fourth day, you put that performance on to your parents and people think, Oh, it's four days, like, it must not be a very good performance. But it's like a full-on performance of a script, whether it's, like, The Little Mermaid or Annie or The Greatest Showman. And you put it on in four days, and it's well fun. 
Just saying, it's well fun. What are the what are the fun elements as a child attending? Because you went to everyone. You went to October. I went February, to them all. October, February, Easter, May, three, four in the in the summer holidays. You were always with me and with Julie because we're talking pre Little Voices growth here, aren't we? We're talking before yeah. franchising. This was just in the Lancashire area. Well, it was Blackburn really, and and Clitheroe. And you would come to each of those holiday camps with me, with your packed lunch mm -hmm. every day. I'd have my packed lunch. Julie would have hers. Sometimes her daughter would be with her too, Jericho, and 30 other children. What was what what did you enjoy about it? What 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 did you love? First of all, I loved the friends that you make. And also when you go to a few genuinely if it's by like the same people who who run it you get used to like the same games that happen like on the first day like I know we always used to have this game we used to play it at the end of every day like the keys game where you all had to squeeze each other's hand and get the keys at the end and when you go to a few you, you it becomes comfortable because you just know that like those games are coming up or the game where you get to know people at the start where you're learning everybody's names and I always love we always like do all, like mini auditions for like the parts and everything and getting to just like know everyone and then by the end you're all like just kind of like one big group and it's it's lovely and you've met and Liv's met some of her best friends through the theatre week mm -hmm. experience not just because she was in lessons with them every week but also um, from those theatre experiences in the holidays and it's a it's a special bonding time isn't it we had a great time Julie I, I fondly yeah, yeah. remember those weeks yeah yeah brilliant memories mm -hmm. it really was so um let's let's fast forward a little bit then so alongside teaching for little voices as most teachers do um when you freelance you you also you'd be doing your day job which was your presenting acting modeling styling you did a lot of styling work i think you were particularly interested in our color me beautiful episode weren't you when we had the <laughs> global yeah. director on i used to do that as well so when we would go off and do let's say we were i don't know up in glasgow for the weekend and i'd go up on the thursday evening um friday daytime i'd run around all the all the shops and choose the clothes that were going into that particular fashion show for the weekend um and then we'd put on shows but in between each show we would have people up on stage to so, do styling for them so you know this this trouser shape works well for your body shape and this color makeup works well on you and so very much like color me beautiful exactly the same thing looking at style and shape and clothes and color and yeah, no, that's absolutely brilliant. So, it's it's just amazing how worlds sort of collide, mm. um, and that you and that your career develops. You know, if you could go back now to those careers advisors or to your school and say this was going to be my journey, I mean, they couldn't have mapped that out for all the tea in China, could they? No, absolutely not. As I say, I, I was all they had me set to be working in languages and. And, and I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a dancer. And neither of those things really sort of took off, you know, the dancing for a while, but certainly not as a long-term career that I thought it would be. So, yeah, it's, it is that thing of, you know, you can change direction and you can go where, where opportunities take you and, uh, and see what happens. You don't have to have it all figured out at school. 
You absolutely yeah. don't. And I, and I, was there ever um, in your your life at school, sort of school teacher, or post that in this early part of your career for twenty five years, a teacher or mentor that that sticks in your mind now as in the work that you're doing today? Um, there are two teachers really for me when I look back. The first one at school. Um, was Mrs Ridsdale and she was my class teacher and she taught geography and I went on to do A-level geography goodness knows why <laughs> I haven't used it since probably because I liked her um, which is often the case isn't it but um, she was brilliant she was so supportive of my dancing um, and if I ever had to miss the odd day here and there off school which sometimes happened if we'd been away in Europe for the weekend and I couldn't get into school on Monday morning because the flight back was, she'd mark me in the register anyway. <laughs> she used to come and watch competitions and she was brilliant. And so, yeah, she's a teacher who really sticks out for me, but also um, I have to credit my dad because as my, da as my first dance teacher at the time, probably didn't really think about it, but I was being taught by a world champion who, People came from all over the world to have lessons with my dad, and I had him on tap, you know. So being young then, I don't think I appreciated it as much as looking back now. But, yeah, I had one of the top coaches in the whole world who would be asked to go all over the world to teach and adjudicate. And um, In fact, my dad, here's another Strictly story for you, when Len Goodman was the original head judge, they had first asked my dad, uh, and he didn't want to do it at the time. He he was kind of traveling all over the world and thought, didn't with hindsight, he didn't realize how big the show was going to be. Um, he was thinking of the original come dancing where it was all a bit cheesy and they took the mickey a bit out the door. I've been in come dancing loads of times, but you know, my dad thought it was going to be like that. So he turned it down. <laughs> hey ho! Wow. Little, little did he know, and that and that rule of saying yes to every opportunity, Julie. Wow. <laughs> um, no, that's really that's really interesting. Um, and so you're so mentioning those two teachers. Those teachers really do shape us, don't they? And maybe um, your teacher who marked you in the register and was kind and was interested in what you do, some of that will have rubbed off onto you as a teacher and how you wanted to come across to your pupils? Yeah, I think so. That You can have a really special bond, especially when we teach in such small groups at Little Voices. Um, teaching with eight or less means that, you know, nobody can get lost at the back which is so often the case in groups of 30 at school or wherever you're having lessons in, in large groups. Um, and exactly like my daughter had when she was going to her first drama school, sitting at the side and eating sweets and the teacher hadn't noticed. So yeah, being able to help the child that needs helping because you can see within a group of eight that somebody's either struggling or not happy or isn't feeling it. Um, and then really nurture the ones who want to shine and, I don't know, end up in the West End or whatever. It's it's brilliant. You've got that whole teacher-student relationship, and I love it. Yeah, do you know what? I act, now that you've said that, I actually think, do you know, like when I'm just like in college or at netball or whatever, I feel like I'm very good at observing when someone isn't like themselves. And I feel like I could put some of that towards little voices. I've, we've all, always had a small group of like 
maybe like four to six people in our group but because you become so close with those people you just instantly are able to tell like if one day they're not feeling like themselves or anything small and I feel like it just makes you become a bit more observant around people and what I also like is when you you sometimes tell me stories that that the parents write on comments or whatever about when their child started and how little they wouldn't even speak or they wouldn't even walk into a they wouldn't even go to school or anything like that and then they come for a few years and the the change like is massive and it always makes me cry <laughs> we've lots of those stories we really have so what where are you now what are you doing now julie obviously i know i could answer this but um to people that haven't heard your journey don't know anything about little voices what happened next you were teaching for us up until i would say 2012 something like yeah. that yeah that's right um so yeah i taught i think for four or five years for little voices at lots of centers across the northwest and then suddenly my husband's job was taking us away from the northwest and down to peterborough at which point i thought hmm can't do any tv work in peterborough i don't think peterborough has a great deal of fashion shows going on what am i going to do <laughs> so at that point jane came to me and said hmm why don't we open little voices in peterborough <laughs> So, yeah, we've been here now uh, for, oh, it's 11 years now. We're just starting 11 years um, in Peterborough Little Voices. And, yeah, so I run my own business. And, uh, again, I love it. And if somebody had said to me back at school, um, you will be a business owner eventually. It'll take a, a few twists and turns to get there. But yeah, I would absolutely not at all. So, you know. But you were going to take all those skills. And I remember the conversation because you, you came to me and you said, I'm thinking of open, opening my own thing yeah. as an independent. And I suppose that could have incorporated dance and all the things that you knew about and could have been all sorts of things. What was that thought process? And, and why then think I'm going to join Jane on the journey and become a franchisee and buy a franchise? Um, so yes, very much initially thinking, oh, I can do this now. I can do it on my own. And yes, I could do the teaching side. And I know I really enjoyed that. I knew nothing about running a business. <laughs> and when I looked into actually, yes, I can set up, but do I know all the, the, even down to the technology that we use at Little Voices now, I wouldn't have had a clue about where to source that or which one should I use or how do we book children in and uh, all the accounting software and all of that um it just seemed it made sense to stick to something that I knew and that I knew worked um and you know you and I were good friends which is lovely so I knew that there would be the support there as well um if ever I was in trouble or didn't know what to do for whatever reason, there would be somebody there to call. Um, yeah, and I've never looked back. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's just incredible. And when I think about, <laughs> I remember once, you know, I was, I think it was a Friday night and I was climbing into the bath. That's what it was. It was probably about half past six and you rang and you mm. said to me, 
oh Jane, you know, I'm never gonna be like the, the biggest or the best, you know, I don't want all these multi-centers every single night of the week and, you know, I'm happy with what I've got. But actually, you know, you've grown and grown and grown year on year because that's, you, you know, just in your way. And I never, it wasn't about the biggest and the best. It was always about what you wanted for your life. And even though we've grown and grown and grown, has the support stayed the you know, do you still feel you can pick up the phone and speak to me? Do you still need me 10 years on and head office? Oh, um, yeah, you're right. When I first opened, I, I remember telling you, well, I'll just have 12 students one night a week and that'll be it because that's all I can cope with. And now I have three centres on a, a Tuesday, Wednesday and a Thursday and we want we, we run double rooms in each centre. And, and, and you've got school partnerships week. now. Yeah, mm -hmm. we have. <laughs> so slightly more than 12 students yes um, <laughs> absolutely the support is there and as little voices has grown if anything there's more support because yes I can pick up the phone to you at any time and we have some lovely chats and, and we're friends as well which is wonderful but then there's also all the other principles around as well so if ever you're busy and I need an answer now or, or something like that then there's always somebody to speak to whether it's someone in head office or one of the other principals and and it's a proper little voices family now, isn't it? <laughs> it sure, it sure is. It sure is. Any success stories over the years? From I know there's been many, 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 many pupils over ten years, but I know that you've had some success stories. What would you your key ones be? Um, when everyone thinks of performing arts, obviously they think about being on the stage. Um, so we have a student who has just made her debut in the West End. Um, she's starring in Sunset Boulevard with Nicole Scherzinger. She's done other productions before, but this is her first big West End show. So that's amazing to see. Um, when she first came to us to do her high grade Lambda exams to get the qualifications she needed to then go off to London and do drama school in London. Um, and to see her achieve her dream is, is fantastic. Um, but equally, I really enjoy the, the smaller stories. So we had a young man who came to us at the age of about eight. He was a bit of a tear away. He was always in trouble in, at school, bless him. School just didn't suit him. As you know, we, we find now with education, so many children just don't fit into that box anymore. He really didn't get on at school and he was constantly in trouble, constantly getting detention and being kept back. But he came to our lessons every single week um, without fail and he shone in all of his exams. He did. He got distinctions all the way through. Little Voices was the one thing that he could achieve and, and be good at, whereas at school he was always being told that he, he wasn't good at this and couldn't manage it. And, um, and he finished with us at the age of 17 last year to go off and do performing arts at college. So it's just mm. lovely to see that little tearaway child who nobody thought would amount to anything, um, you know, carrying on with it and doing well. So, yeah, it's just, it's brilliant. We had a little girl, she was, I think, five when she came to us, who was uh, mute, um, just wouldn't talk, selectively mute. And we worked with her on speech and language and, and now we can't keep her quiet. She's eight now and she it's just brilliant to see the change in her and the confidence and how she's grown. So I love those little stories as, as much as putting somebody in the West End, yeah. Because that impact is just as great for that individual 
and you know and and it's not about just being a star as as we always say um what would you go back julie and tell your younger self right now if you had to go back to younger julie what what piece of advice would you give her (laughs) i think because i stopped dancing which I thought was going to be my career at the time I left school and then thought oh my goodness what now I think I would tell myself don't worry it will all be okay (laughs) don't stress over it something somewhere will and and yeah here we are um yeah it would to anybody that's coming out of school not knowing what they want to do it's don't panic something will happen yeah, the world just the world just keeps turning and life will unfold, won't it? You'll end up where just exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And we can't not mention um the full circle as as to what's happened with your daughter who first came to Little Voices and that you brought her as a parent and this journey has emerged for you. But the journey has also emerged for her. And you must love the Little Voices family a whole lot if now your daughter's <laughs> within it as well. What? Just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, from joining Little Voices as a pupil when she was about 10 years old, um, and she found her tribe and loved the performing arts, um, did it all through sort of senior school and, and carried on. And then when we moved to Peterborough, she joined groups here. She was um, an assistant tutor for me at Little Voices Peterborough and then went on to drama school in London to study musical theatre. Um, and she's just bought her own franchise in London. So she's now running Little Voices Hackney. It's just <laughs> incredible, isn't it? It's just incredible. Um, very, very, very emotional for me and you in Absolutely. equal measure, in equal measure. Um, and the and the journey and the story keeps keeps rolling. It's been absolutely fantastic to learn your backstory, Julie. Actually, I don't think we've ever sat for forty seven minutes and done that <laughs> sort right. of intense conversation about you know your your background and and in, and hopefully we've inspired some young people that you don't have to have it all figured out at school. It's just trust where life is going to take you sometimes as well. What was your school run like itself? We always finish with a school run memory. Where, what would you like to share with us? Um, so my dad used to drive my sister and I, my younger sister and I, to school every day. Um, and I remember always arguing her, over who got to sit in the front seat. <laughs> it, it had to be me because I was the eldest, but of course my sister didn't agree with that. So there would be arguments galore over who sat in the front. And then on Fridays, um, not really arguments with my dad, but on Fridays we were allowed to have Radio 1 on in the car instead of whatever he was listening to. So I do, that, that's what I distinctly remember about school runs, yeah. Oh, I bet he when he listens and, and your family listen back, they'll remember those moments too. So that's, it's a lovely thing to share. Thank you so much for joining us. Any Anything you've learned from this episode, Liv? Anything I've learned like- a lot. You've always asked me this question. I need time to process all the information. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we'll say thank you so much, Julie. Thank you for joining us on The School Run. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The School Run Podcast. We absolutely love doing the podcast. Podcasts are free to listen to, but if you'd like to buy us a virtual coffee, we'd be really, really grateful. You just need to go to 
buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash the school run. You can also follow us on Instagram at the school run underscore official or TikTok with the same name at the school run underscore official. And we always really appreciate your reviews and feedback. On the platform that you're listening to, you can review our podcast and give us a star rating. We'd love to have your comments and receive your feedback. Thank you so much for being a massive support of our journey.